And welcome to a brand new episode of The Wrap with Maz and Friends. I'm Ethan Perlman and I'm joined by Clarence Black and uh, Stephen McDonald. And uh, Tom Mazaway is still MIA. Dad is gone, baby. Dad is gone and uh, Darren, unfortunately, is out sick today. It's alright, so. right, boo-boo. Boo-boo got the <laughs> flu. It's okay to get you a hot toddy. Love you. You don't feel well. So, so we we bring in uh, our our, our six man here and Stephen McDonald. Say hi, Stephen. Hey, how's it going, guys? It's going well, and uh, we got a lot to talk about today. It's With your all- beard, man. We got rules about coming here. Coming here with no beard, <laughs> fresh face, nice NRM Streamcast shirt, which I don't have, by the way. Oh man, you, you caught me on a on a off Let's week. Let's that. The other Let's week. go, come on, man. I'll I'll work on it for next time. All right. Yeah. You gotta step your beard game up. Yep, yep. Got to have a strong beard game here at NRM, and we got a lot to talk about. It is only the third day of the new year, and uh, we've had already some unfortunate passings of some very, very high-profile people in the sports world. First and foremost, uh, former NBA commissioner David Stern passing away at the age of 77 after complications from a brain hemorrhage. Yeah, man, that was just... What made that so sad is that he's the last of the true commissions. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is the guys that changed the game. Yep. So if you think about the people that we talk about, the commissioners who were the game changers, you know, it. he is really the guy. I mean, people forget when David Stern, when he started, I mean, the league, the NBA finals, think about the NBA. The NBA mm-hmm. is a global international game. It was on tape delay. The finals yeah. were on tape delay. And, and, and David Stern was, I mean... It, what he did for both the players, and you look at what player salaries are, and what's funny is, I was thinking, I was talking to a friend about this, is he proceeded over a period of amazing revenue mm-hmm. increase and wage increase for the players, and yet he still had four work stoppages. So it was like, <laughs> I was I was amazed by that. Like, all he's doing is getting these guys, like, paid in, in revenue. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he oversaw... I forget what the number was in the billions uh, increase, but he still had to deal with the greed of both owners and players. Yeah. But you think about there were so many just different things, man, from that that he not only ushered, but also saw the NBA through. I mean, you think about the fact that the, it was the NBA in every sport that they were the lead on how you handle blood mm-hmm. because of magic. And people forget that it wasn't the, it wasn't the NHL where there's always blood. It wasn't the NFL where there's always blood or baseball. It was the NBA. Yep. The NBA with Irvin's uh, Magic Johnson's announcement, the NBA said, "Okay, here's how we're going to handle uh, blood," and then everybody else followed suit. And that was David Stern. Or if you think about uh, NBA Cares, NBA China, I mean, just the pushing of his brand, and then also the presence of mind to understand that his product was the players. Mm-hmm. And always push that. If you think about the difference between the NFL, which we talk about as the shield, nothing's bigger than the shield. And then you talk about the NBA. He needed faces. He just he understood that the importance of that. And so to come along at a time when look at the amazing assets he had to be an NBA commissioner. I mean, you think Adam Silver right now is is has got LeBron for however maybe three or more years or four more mm-hmm. years. 
but they're hoping that Zion will become something. But you, as a commissioner, you just hope you have the faith. Look at Doncic. What I mean, you couldn't think of a better ambassador. Yeah. So mm-hmm. David Stern though had Magic and Larry. Then he then he you know Jordan, Dr. J was still mm-hmm. kind of Kareem. You look at the the Hall of Famers that he had at his disposal to be able to market. Um, just an amazing commissioner. It's a it's a sad day for basketball, but I think it's also a great day to be able to celebrate what he did because mm-hmm. he was the last true commissioner and the game is the game is pretty much what it is now it, yeah. it would be hard for another commissioner to take the nba someplace that david stern didn't from tape delay to a global brand so mm-hmm. rest in peace commissioner stern and and one other thing that he really did was he when he globalized the game he brought over talent that you know intrigued not only fans of the united states but you know brought over those fans from china and um and different different areas of the world. I mean, you wouldn't have had Yao Ming playing in the NBA if it was not for David Stern. And I, I think, you know, certain talents also, you know, you would not have seen come over, play in the NBA, be a part of, you know, the history. But we mentioned the, the money. So when David Stern's tenure began, he increased television revenue from $10 million per year to approximately $900 million per year during his tenure as NBA commissioner. And you see all the tweets and all the Instagram posts from the, from the players. He was probably, I believe, one of the most beloved commissioners in any sport. I mean, you really never heard players or coaches or owners speak out against him, really, ever, from what I can remember. Well, I mean, again, it... it you think of Paul Tagliabue in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And to me, I think he's the forgotten commissioner because, again, he was another one. He he was smart enough to realize that this could be this could be a global brand and then pushing pushing it out. He was another one, just pushed it out, pushed foot. So Roger Goodell, now, there's not a whole lot of places where, I mean, the most profitable sports franchise on the planet is the Dallas Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing about David Stern, again, it, 92. A simple thing of, of the dream team in 92 yep. was a, where a lot of the – Yao Ming, Luka mm-hmm. Dot, a lot of these – a lot of what happened in 92 was the, the European Revolution. And the European Revolution that took off, now you think about it, now in, in any given in an NBA draft, 40% is overseas. So – and now there's NBA India. I mean, and they mm-hmm. are just, it, it's just such a, a legacy to see that thing grow. Um, but again, man, just last of the the true commissions, the game changers. I don't know that we're ever going to see another game changing commission because I don't know where any of the major, I don't know where any of the major sports have left to kind of. The, the only one probably, the only one probably still is the NFL and that would just be expanding more globally and maybe putting a team in a, in another country, but like Canada or yeah. London, and, and but they I don't are think looking we'll... at doing that too. Like I think the Jaguars owners trying to get a team in London or something like that too. Yeah, there there were talk that the Jaguars wanted to do that. There was also talk that the the, well, the Jaguars. Hey, look, if the I'm the Chargers, Jags, I got to get out of Jackson. I mean, or Jacksonville. Jeez. Yeah, but the Chargers there were even mentioned as a possible team that would want to do you know London. But then their owner spoke out and said, that's not true at all. So who, who knows? But eventually, maybe we will see a team in London or see a team out in uh, Canada somewhere. 
But on Wednesday, we also lost former New York Yankee pitcher Don Larson, who I, I believe is more well-known because of the fact that yeah. he was the only pitcher to throw either a no-hitter or a perfect game in the World Series. He, of course, he threw the perfect game back in 1956. Well, you think about it. So Don Larson is up there. He's kind of like he's a well, he's Maris. You know, I mean, you, you, you're known for this one thing, this mm-hmm. one shining moment in time. And not that Don Larson wasn't a, a great pitcher he was, but just his name will always be synonymous with the greatness of this, this yeah. one thing. But you know, rest in peace, uh, Donnie Larson, man. And you know, it's 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 hard to already think. We're only three days into the year, and we've lost two icons on the, you know, on January first, and then of course uh, yesterday, former Bengals Buccaneers coach Sam White dies at the age of seventy-four due to complications. From his fight with cancer, Sam Weishman proceeded over those crazy bing, those those early Boomer Esiason, and then uh, the running back um, Icky Icky mm-hmm. Woods, the Icky Shuffle. Um, yeah, man, just another great coach, a guy who was who was right there in the uh, in the AFC and got to a Super Bowl in in those damn 49ers. <laughs> those damn 49ers. <laughs> Uh, but no, man, he's a, a great man. Didn't didn't know him personally, but I mean, players and everybody around the league. You know, when it, there's a way when people talk honestly about somebody mm-hmm. when they pass, and just the things that have come out about Sam Weish and what people have said about him, man, is uh, is uh, pretty cool. But tough loss for uh, the Bengal family and the NFL. Yep. And uh, so once again, we're live from the Jim Reels Chrysler Jeep Studios here at NRM Streamcast. This is the wrap with Maz and friends. Ethan Perlman, Clarence Black, and Stephen McDonald. And another big news story that came out yesterday was Lane Kiffin adding the former Maryland Terrapin head coach, DJ Durkin, to his coaching staff. And I, I got to say, this is going to bring a lot of controversy so, on Lane it, Kiffin. So tell people, so, so for those, as a parent, I have a tough one with this. So let people know who they is, and then I'll, I'll yeah. jump in because I'm getting hot on this Okay, so DJ Durkin uh, was the head coach at Maryland, um, and he was fired back in 2018 after two investigations kind of found him negligent of the death of 19-year-old offensive lineman Jordan McNair, and McNair died from heat stroke. But when it came, when it comes to the off season, I don't want, I don't know if off season is the right word, but camp workouts, they they do you know two a days. They're out. It's it's warm, and. You know, they didn't let these guys get water. They didn't, they didn't, the, the training staff, the coaches paid no attention to it. And Jordan McNair died of heat stroke. And the parents themselves went after the school to get DJ Durkin fired. I want to, I want to say this is, I want to say this is, is sanely as I can and really like, cause I don't, I don't want it to be like I, I, I misspoke cause I'm not misspeaking right now when I say this. DJ Durkin would be dead because I'm a parent. Mm-hmm. And if you kill my kid, which is what he did, mm-hmm. he killed the kid. Yeah. Because that's, you can call it negligence. See, negligence is a fancy word that we want to try and, well, it, it, that's what they saying. Well, I didn't mean to kill you. It doesn't matter because I'm a parent. Yeah. I can tell you, I can tell, let me tell, explain this to both of you right now. If you don't know already, your, your mom and dad, mom and dad, both your, you still both have your mom and dad? Mm-hmm. Yep. See, there, so there's people you haven't met yet. And it's your mom and dad if somebody does something to you that is permanent. 
You haven't met those people yet. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, DJ Durkin, me, the me he would have met, he would not have survived that because he killed a kid. And when you when your negligence results in a loss of life, you don't get to coach football. This is the most ridiculous thing I've, I've ever I wouldn't touch him. Mm-hmm. But this just goes back to but again, look who hired him. Wayne Kiffin. So this is crap taking on crap because he wants to win that bad. I mean, we talked about the Antonio Brown. We talked about yeah. Antonio Brown. Um, how bad do you want to win? Mm-hmm. Saints, how bad you want AB? How bad do you want to win? Clearly, they said eh, no. No one. It, I would even say the NCAA should have given him a five-year. This should have been a five-year show cause penalty. I, I would. We said, give, I would have said a lifetime. We give coaches in basketball show cost penalties for texting and calling after a period. What it, what happened with um, Treshel? Treshel got what did he get? He got a two year show yeah, cause. Yeah. For what? For jerk? For jerk? That he didn't even do? That he didn't know about? This is the stuff that drives me completely crazy. Mm-hmm. And this I, is the hypocrisy. This right here, if you want to know anything that's hypocritical about you, this coach, his negligence resulted in the loss of a life. This kid is never coming back to his to his family. And yet, we got guys who, well, you know, uh, your players uh, ate at the dining facility. Uh, uh, they they ate it, or they they had uh, they had free tacos. So you know, we got to take three scholarships, and then you can't coach for a year. Uh, well, this guy killed the kid. Yeah, but uh, it was negligent. So. It, he didn't mean yeah. to. He didn't mean to. So he can coach. And and another thing with this whole story is when when this all happened originally, they they investigated the program, and not only did they you know find the issue with the negligence, and I don't like that word either, but they also found allegations of abuse, humiliation, and troubling tactics within his organization, and we we've seen more and more recently when there is any sort of abuse or verbal abuse coaches are getting hit hard on even more and I really wonder how the NCAA can let him come back and coach especially after you know this whole issue with you know the death of Jordan McNair and the parents even saying during you know when you're a parent and you you know that coach comes to you and he's trying to recruit your kid and he says he's gonna look after him personally and and this is the result. It, it how can the NCAA move forward with I this? I don't understand any of this, but to me, this is if you want to put a bow on the hypocrisy that is the NCAA. It's here. It's not paying the players. It's not any of that stuff. It's right here. Look at think think about this as simply as 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 you can. Man, I am a military officer. If I do something negligent that results in the death of a soldier, not only am I removed from my position, man, I have to go to court. I get a court-martial. Mm-hmm. Negligence that results in the loss of life is taken seriously at all levels. Police officers. I mean, so the fact that the NCAA didn't hit this is, I'm telling you as I sit here, that I can't, I am a military man, and so we acknowledge that we are a combat mechanism. We are defenders of the flag and the Constitution. We are charged to go into battle if necessary, where people do get hurt and they do die. And yet we still have a segment of our of our uniform code of military justice that says 
if you are neck, if the death is because of your leader, your you are a leader, your negligence, you can be held accountable. He's a leader. He is the leader. He is the mm-hmm. head of the program. Yep. And a player died on his watch. That is on him. And for the NCAA to not drop the hammer on that, we dropped the hammer on what did everybody say? Well, domestic violence. And there, Urban got how many games for and no not a non fatality. He got three. Jim Trussell got what two years? A mm-hmm. two year show cause, no fatality. Yep. And I'll explain exactly why that is because. The NCAA has so many opportunities, like you said, with Urban Meyer and Zach Smith and, you know, comparing it to something like Jim Tressler, even something that I'm going to mention in a second that happened at almost the exact same time as the Urban Meyer thing a couple of years ago is that when we go back and look at what happened with DJ Durkin, he got, what, less than two years and he's back into coaching in the NCAA. And previously, according to this article, it says he was a consultant with the Atlanta Falcons before this. And, Ethan, you mentioned he should get, like, four or five years or even a lifetime ban or something like that. And, like I said, he's back within less than two years. Like, something more needs to be done. And going back to the Zach Yeah, but nobody – see, nobody – the this is because deep down this is the culture of football. No, and that's exactly what I'm saying is, like, they don't care. It's like no. as long as you're making yes. them money, you'll, mm-hmm. you'll have a job no matter yes. what because it, – it, it is a for-profit. It is a for-profit. As much as I think the NCAA tries to push – the, the institutions, the the players, the coaches, if they don't make you money, then they're no good to you. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Is like This idea, though, that – because I've heard people say this. Well, there's nothing, man. You you know, the kid was running. Like, what are you supposed to do? Well, no, you have – there are so many things and mechanisms you have in place and people that are – there. that's their job. Mm-hmm. Their job is to be there. Your strength and conditioning – all these people are there – at the very first, we again, man, I, in the military, the very first thing that we do is safety first, safety mm-hmm. brief. What is your risk assessment? Every activity we do in the military, whether it is a presentation or it's a comp, it, it is risk. What is your risk assessment? Before we walk in here, there's a risk assessment. Okay, hey, if there's a if a if a fire hits this, we need this is our exit. How do we get out of this? It's called a risk assessment. Mm-hmm. What is my risk? For this decision, hey, my players are running in July. Your coach, your players are running in July. What's your risk assessment? How many of them are hydrated pre-workout? How many of them are hydrated after the workout? But at the, at the end of the day, forget about that. We suspend coaches and players for text messages mm-hmm. and for kids selling jerseys. At the very least, SMU got the death penalty for all their illegal activity DJ Durkin's negligence resulted in death. There should be a simple rule. If something that you do or don't do results in death, you get the death penalty. But you the, get the same penalty as the as as the as the result of your negligence. Exactly. And I think that the thing that's bothered me so much and we were talking about this before the show just kind of talking about the past decade in college sports more specifically with football is that it it kind of feels like the punishment doesn't really fit the crime like we were talking about before with with Zach Smith and Urban Meyer or before that Jim Tressler, whoever, you go back and look at the Zach Smith case, Urban Meyer got, what, three games for that, like Mm -hmm. Ethan said, and then at the same time, North Carolina's players were selling their Jordan shoes that they got as like a gift or something, and they got five games for that, I think most of them got, and there was about ten of them. Or before that, years before that, North Carolina players getting the, the, the grades. 
oh, the yeah, whole the, thing the, with the yeah, grades, yeah, which yeah, should have yeah, been yeah. a death penalty. Like these kids yeah. are, you're basically feeding them A's. Mm-hmm. Like, are you kidding? And they're graduating. And then I remember the guy was saying, like, yeah, they just they they graduated me, but I can't get a job now because I don't know anything. It's <laughs> like you got a degree from the University of North Carolina. Yeah. And, but that's assuming they actually went to class. Yeah. A whole different story. Well, and the and the other thing to to kind of wrap this all up is you know, with this whole DJ Durkin thing, and you know, they back then when this first happened. You know they. You know they were talking about. You got to look at the 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 health not the health staff, but the the sports training staff, the team the team physicians, the team trainers. Physically being with a college program like I was for four years, I don't know how this happens no. because for baseball we had four trainers, four trainers for thirty five guys at every practice at every game. If somebody didn't look right. They pulled him aside immediately. So I'm wondering, you know, with this whole thing, you have to put the blame on DJ Durkin, and I really don't think he should ever coach anywhere again, NFL or college. But at the same time, it makes it even worse because I I have a feeling, I don't know if this ever came out, but I have a feeling that somebody had to go up to him and say, he's not looking right. He needs to sit out, get rehydrated. Yeah, and his response, no, we need to touch. This was a, this was all of the things that people talk about when they talk about toxicity. There is a fine line between pushing potential and negligence. Yeah. You want to push potential. You want your players to learn how to push past fatigue and things like that. This is like the whole Bear Bryant, Texas A&M, the Junction Boys, like, when you have a life in your hands, you have to ultimately make – you are responsible for how that line goes. Mm-hmm. He made the choice that they went over that line because that's what it was. Yep. No, we're going to keep going. No, we're going to keep going. No, push them. Push them into the ground. Push them into the push them into the ground and the guys that can make it, those are my guys. Well, no, that doesn't work now. Now you have to be responsible because we know things about heat stroke and things like that. So it, it – the parent, the parent in me, the parent of four – I, I just cannot believe, man, that this, they're letting this guy coach. And this is why I am in favor of these young men getting every single dime possible because no one truly at the end of the day, no, this just tells me the NCAA does not care about them. So nothing you do is for the players. Nothing you do is for their academic or their, or their athletic benefit. It is, it is they are... This is something you would think about. This is something that you would do to a cow or a beast of burden. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ride it until it breaks. Yep. And it broke. And, oh, let's move on to the next thing. That is that is what this is the very definition of slave labor. You're going to run until I say you, you can stop. So moving on to a more positive yeah, topic please, please uh zion williamson completed his first full practice this week since his knee surgery back in late october for a torn meniscus there is still no official timetable for his return but pelican fans have got to be excited to yeah. know that he's made it through his first practice and he's on his way to making his nba debut yeah everybody's making a big deal about it when the fact of the matter is that it's not a big deal because blake griffin went through it mm-hmm. ben simmons went through it 
Joel Embiid went through it, I think, twice. Yep. So there is, there's plenty of precedent for rookies coming in and their bodies getting acclimated. Um, you know, everybody, I remember everybody in Philly went bananas when Ben Simmons got hurt. They were like, oh, my God, he's a, <laughs> he's a bust. He's, he's uh, who's it? Um, I think I always forget. Sam Bowie. Um, Jordan, who went ahead of Jordan oh. from Kentucky. Um, so Stephen, get, save us. Who is it? I, Sam Bowie. I'm telling you, it's Bowie. Uh, but it, people get hurt. Mm-hmm. People get hurt is how it is. Um, it happens. Greg Oden. Yeah. Um, well, he, there, was, he was just a bust. Yeah, he was just I'm a bust, sorry. But, no, there's there's precedent for it. I mean, the guy's going to come back. He's going to be awesome. Um, like I said, man, Blake Griffin. I remember everybody. You know, everybody in L. A. thought Blake Griffin was going to be a bust because he got hurt. I mean, it's just sometimes yeah. rookies that that whether it's training camp or your first couple games, your body just is not ready. And so it's just, this is smart. If I were the Pelicans, honestly, I'd sit him the rest of the year and just let him kind of practice. I don't know that they will, but. You know, you look, it worked for Blake Griffin, it worked for Ben Simmons, maybe Joel Embiid, maybe just, you know, let let him let us wait one more year. Let him let him get his body right, trim down a little bit, slim down a little bit. So, but can't wait to see him on the floor when he's finally healthy. Man. Yeah, and I, I think even though there is no timetable out yet, I, I think if he plays it all this year, it's going to be after the All-Star break. Yeah. Maybe let him get 20 games, and they probably won't play him on back-to-back nights. He'll probably get into yeah. maybe 20 games, which I believe we'll still consider him to be a rookie the next year yeah. so we'll still have a shot at rookie of the year what's what is <laughs> unfortunate is i don't think you're going to see him anytime soon in the olympics no and i know that was something that people talked about man putting him in putting him on a on an international stage right away uh with his explosiveness would have been amazing for team usa but that's probably not gonna happen you know, I, I worry about Team USA these days because you're not getting the, the the star potential that you have. They will. They'll when they they'll lose a couple. They'll they'll, they'll probably lose this next Olympics and then they'll turn around and they'll do another redeemed team. It, mm-hmm. What we have shown is when we're ready, we'll put we'll, our we'll best out up. there. We'll show up. I mean, it's what it is. I mean, it, players are at a at a day and age when it's it's more about their end. And it, I mean, this is owners. So we talk about people will talk about the players not being patriotic. Hey, it, these are the owners. Because Mark Cuban basically said, Dirk Nowitzki's like, he told him at one point, hey, you want to you want a gold medal for the Germans or do you want to be an NBA champion? And Dirk was like, well, I, I want to be an NBA champion. <laughs> it's like, that's a good idea because I'm paying you to be an NBA champion. I'm not paying yeah. you to be. So there's that aspect of it. And uh, the, the final big news story that came out late last night, Dallas Cowboys are moving on from Jason Garrett. They have parted ways after a meeting yesterday. So the question is now, who does Jerry Jones bring in to uh, to run this team? You know, I and so here's what's crazy: Maz and Darren aren't here, mm-hmm. and I'm just wondering. I'm just wondering Are if they down maybe, inter- maybe they're down there <laughs> interviewing. Because I mean, McCarty's got just about as good a chance as Maz, and Maz has got just about as good a chance as anybody. Because look, I, Jerry Jones is crazy. <laughs> Jerry Jones is like like Jerry Jones is batshit crazy. Like I we just gotta call it what it is. Like he who, is but who is a more, you know, involved owner, do you think? Jerry Jones or Mark Cuban? Because you got two down there in Dallas that are very outspoken, Man, very I, involved. Uh, I'm going to say Jerry, and I think Jerry by So Jerry is the only owner that has a set press schedule. Mm-hmm. Jerry talks to the Jerry talks to the freaking press after games, man. They talk to the owner 
before. So when the Cowboys <laughs> win or lose, the first person they talk to is not a player, it's not a coach, it's the owner. Like, if that does not tell you how monumentally dysfunctional mm-hmm. this situation is. And, oh, by the way, if I'm a Cowboy fan, I am banging I am banging on my desk at work. I am losing my hair at home. I am in the car banging on the steering wheel. Like, dude, Ron Rivera is already in place. And, like, people are getting calls right now. Assistants mm-hmm. who you are going to need are getting calls right now. Yep. What are you doing? This is the most – this is just Jerry-ish. Like, they talk about stuff being lion-like mm-hmm. or SOL, same old lions. Like, I, I don't know what the acronym is. For the Cowboys, but this is literally Jerry World. This is crazy. You knew you were moving on from. You could have, yeah. Got, got, you know, congratulations, I, Cowboys. You got what you you wanted, and yet you still somehow managed a way to make this Cowboy-ish. I'm I'm very surprised it took them. I think it was closer, really, to three meetings with Jerry with a between Jerry and Jason. Four, they had four, four, to make the decision that we were going to move on from him because. It pretty much sounded like the decision was made, made three weeks ago that he was going to be out if they didn't make the playoffs. And it takes you four meetings to then say, "Okay, yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna part ways. We're gonna make it sound all friendly." Um, but I think it was funny too, real quick, because I remember seeing on Twitter last night that they said that he was supposedly at the facility last night talking to players and different people in the organization as if. He was planning on coming back, and then an hour later you go back, and it's like, oh, breaking news, he's now officially uh, parting ways with Dallas. No, it's like- I'm, he got – so what I am, what I am again, this is just me guesstimating. I think that what they did was they probably ne- – they're negotiating a, a – he's going to get what most coaches don't get. Mm-hmm. He's going to get a loyalty bonus, and his loyalty bonus is probably going to be something to the effect, to the effect of – don't do tell-alls. Don't talk about what you've said. He, remember, he's been there 26 years in some capacity because mm-hmm. he was a backup to Troy. So remember, 26 years he spent someplace. So he knows where all the bodies are buried. He's probably been to the parties. I mean, <laughs> the stuff that Jason Garrett has seen, I'm guessing they spent two days just to figure up how much hush money to give him. They probably gave him like $10 million in crypto. <laughs> they don't even want anybody. But think about it. He's Think about it. Mm-hmm. 26 years are either of you even 26 years old no nope. i'm not so before you were even born <laughs> jason garrett has been he's had a front row seat he's seen and heard a lot to, of things. dude there's a photograph that came out a couple years ago with jerry and two young attractive women and i don't know like his pants were down or something you saw the pic do you ever see the picture no it's online it's online and it was like but i don't think i want to google that though well it's not in, it's not there's nothing um, is it safe for work Let's just, it's safe for work okay. it's very safe for work cuz it was it was put on the front page of most papers and what everybody was saying this is just a i mean the man's a billionaire oil tycoon the guy was a national champion, I think, at, uh, I forget where, maybe, was it uh, Ole Miss or someplace he, huh. he was on a national chi- national title team. I think he was on a national title team at Ole Miss. But, I mean, th- he's and he he likes his enthusiasms. That, that was like a few years ago. Man, think about the past 26 years of stuff mm-hmm. that he has seen. And you have to, that is a guy, I'm, I'm guessing that his, the, the, the buyout was this thick of, we here's know what not here's to what say. not to ever you agree to never talk about some of the stuff you've seen you're always welcome here here's free tickets 
Check out the newest. If you or your family is touched by autism. So, Jerry Jones and uh, Jason Garrett parting ways. And we got to talk about, though, you know, now got the opening in Dallas. He got the opening in Cleveland. Um, of course, Detroit decided to keep Matt Patricia. And but Bob Quinn. Pascaloni's gone, officially. Pa- Pascaloni and another Lions assistant, uh, Jeff Davidson, have both stepped away from the team. They were not fired, but they have parted ways. Um, but it's interesting because you think of where Dallas is right now. They got their head coach opening. Cleveland's also got an opening at their head coach and an opening at their GM spot after they fired Dorsey. The Cleveland Browns have already publicly stated that they're going to hire their head coach before they hire the general manager. So that the GM won't be tied to that coach? I don't know, but I don't know how I feel about that because you want your GM to have a good relation with your coach and vice versa. But look how well that's worked out here. Yeah. You're going to have a very tough... So unless... What that would tell me, honestly if they're saying that, is that they've got their GM locked up. And they're just either waiting for the season to be... Because a lot of this stuff happens in back rooms, man. I mean, the NFL mm-hmm. is the... Not the NFL. Pro sports is just like life. I mean, yeah, there are a lot of people I know who I can tell you, they're, they're at companies, and you see them on TV, and little does let anybody know, in a few months, they're going to be gone. And they're saying all the right things, and but they're going to be gone. I mean, that's just... That's how... Life works sometimes. You just you got to kind of keep things close. But I think that's a very clear because if you don't, then I can't imagine who's taking that job unless you're going to say, hey, this is the guy we want. He's going to work out. We'll take the hit on this. But you have the draft. And so typically, typically, that's where GMs and that's where uh, coaches butt heads mm-hmm. is is the draft. That's really that's really more or less when they really if they're on the same page when it comes to the draft. So they can say, okay, you want to hire this guy? That's fine. The draft is mine. Yep. The draft is mine. If they're on the same page there, that's fine. Now that being said, though, I don't know many guys that are going to want. They're going to want to be able to make their hire. Mm-hmm. So I don't know who you go get. And oh, by the way. Mike McCarthy. My, I don't think Mike McCarthy's going to want that. So the the three names that are coming up right now a lot with Cleveland is Mike McCarthy, is Josh McDaniels, who I don't really see him leaving New England unless it's to become the I New do. England head coach. I do. If though. Bill Belichick goes away, I, I, I think I think this is going to be the season of turmoil for the Patriots, and here's why. Here's why. Hear okay. me out. Hear me out on this. This is going to sound crazy, but watch. Watch where I go with this and watch how much sense it's going to make. Antonio Brown needs a team. Mm-hmm. Antonio Brown, watch watch me watch okay. me run watch me run this smooth. Okay. Tom Brady's primary residence is is where? In what city and state? California. LA. Yeah. Boom. Stop. So he's already that is where he lives. That is his home of home because his wife does the thing and that's there. That's there. Mm-hmm. That's their place. I can see, and oh, by the way, David Carr, eh, probably D- Derek Carr. Derek Carr, not yep. pardon me, Derek Carr, the other car, Derek Carr. I could see Brady going to Oakland, AB coming back to Oakland. 
but they're going to be Oakland in Las going Vegas. to Las Vegas, but Las Vegas is very close to. Okay. I mean, Las Vegas is a chopper. True. That's a helicopter ride. True. To L.A. or he gets a home. Who doesn't want a home in Vegas? <laughs> now all of a sudden you pair up A.B. and Brady. In Oakland, you give A.B. a a clause-laden contract. Everybody apologizes. Everybody, Because what do they need to do right away when they get to Vegas? Win. Mm -hmm. They got to win. Because Vegas has shown that they'll support it. So I could see Josh McDaniel going, "This, this thing here has come to an end. Unless Bill leaves, in which case he'll stay. Yeah. And we got to get a a word in from... Jim Reels, friendly Chrysler Jeep Studios. Your friendly dealer, Jim Reels. Check out the newest member of Jim Reels' family of dealerships, the all-new Jim Reels' friendly Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Romeo. During the Black Friday sales event, lease the 2020 Jeep Compass Limited 4x4, now just $199 a month with zero down. Or lease the 2019 Ram 1500 Crew Cab Bighorn 4x4, now just $199 a month with zero down. For your best deal, it's the all-new Jim Reels' friendly Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Romeo. If you or your family is touched by autism, learn more about Freddy's Foundation at hashtag pop the tap at freddythepizzaman.com. That's F R E D I the pizzaman.com or email freddythepizzaman at gmail.com. And we're back here on the wrap, Ethan, Clarence, and Steven. Live from the fr- Jim Reels Friendly Chrysler Jeep Studios. Cleveland. Cleveland. Ohio. Mm-hmm. Ohio. O-H-I-O. Why not urban? Why, why not urban? Hey, listen, man. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Everybody keeps saying the guy's going to coach. I, I, as much as, is, I think the things that drive urban crazy about the college game, I think have to do with access. Mm-hmm. Um, to players, I think if Urban had as much as much access as he wanted, the things that he the the way that he is he is fanatical about the game, I think could make him a great pro coach because you can live in you can live in it, you can literally like stay in it. I think there are people that can show him how to do it. I think Belichick, Sabins, those guys obsess, um, but those guys are also you know they 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 know how to use grown men. Mm-hmm. I think if you look at what Saban did in Miami, it was great. His tenure and people make it seem like he was a. They were one in fifteen. They weren't. They were going in the right direction. They needed a quarterback, and had they been able to get Drew Brees in that offseason, who knows? But I think Urban could be a great pro coach, and what a great place to get his start. I have a different spot that if I'm thinking of NFL openings right now, yes. I would maybe want to see Urban in. I'd rather see him either in Carolina or okay. with the Giants. And the reason why is with New York, with New- the Giants specifically. You want to put Urban in New York? I mean, I understand the pressure of coaching in New York. But the thing I see with the current Giants team, it's a young core. You got you got uh, Daniel Jones, who will be his in his second year. You got a guy like Saquon Barkley. Saquon is, in my opinion... A combination of Ezekiel Elliott and a cheetah, 
Um, so you it's had not where I thought you were going with that, you, but okay, uh, yeah. continue. You, I thought you were going to say Marshall Falk, or but he was like, no, Ezekiel you, you, Elliott and a cheetah. So I mean, you just went Marvel on us. All right, I, I like it though. I like you, it. You got the you got the, the you got the ability to run people over and the ability to you know just run by everybody, yeah. which Ezekiel Elliott can do on occasion, but not to the point that Saquon can. Right. You have. A young receiving core that's kind of already starting to show up. I agree. You got a young defense. You can. You're gonna have. I believe they're gonna have the fourth pick in the draft, which gives you an opportunity to take another young receiver, another young defender, up to whatever New York decides. I think that being able to come into a organization where there's a young court and build and you know build a culture with a young group of guys that who could realistically a lot of them stay in New York their whole careers because the Giants can't afford to lose anybody right now. That's more of a spot I'd rather see Urban in than in a ego show in Cleveland. Because that's what I think Cleveland is right now. It's if he, an ego if he show. Walks, if he walks into Cleveland, though, the thing that he can say is, I'm a winner. Mm-hmm. Freddie Kitchens couldn't say that. Um, neither could um, Hugh, um, Hugh, Jackson. Hugh Jackson. Couldn't say that. And so one of my issues, and I think in, when you have those, you have to have somebody there to be able to say, I'm a winner, so here's how we're going to do things. And, oh, by the way, everything's going to change in, in this aspect. Um, and that's where I think Urban, if he walks into that locker room right away, everybody's going to go, that's Urban. Mm-hmm. And he's going to say, here's how we're going to do things, and we're going to win. I think Odell needs that. I think Odell Beckham can't look at somebody who he thinks is on his leg. He look at Freddie Kitchens like, dude, you want the same thing I want. <laughs> And so you, he, o- Odell Beckham has to have somebody, which he hasn't had. He has mm-hmm. to have somebody he can look at and say they've done it. Think about it. He, at LSU, LSU had a, they were national champs mm-hmm. before he got there. So they can look and say, "Yo, you, we know how to do this." But couldn't he have looked at Tom Coughlin when he was in New York and said the exact same thing? Coughlin brought two Super Bowls to the Giants and to New York. He was a winner. Now he's. Didn't do well his last few years there, but he was a proven winner there. Uh, but was Odell there under yeah. Coughlin? For, for, I believe, his last few years, yes. Because hmm. Odell's been in the league now for, what, six years? Five, six, five, yeah, five, six like years. Yeah, how long has Coughlin been? He's been in Jacksonville, I believe, Because they had Spagnola, they had Shermer was two, Spagnola was... Who was hired after Coughlin? Was it Spagnola? I think it was. We'd have to go back and look. Yeah, I mean, it, but it, either way, man, I think uh, I I like I like Urban in Cleveland. I think that could work. It's Ohio. How will Baker feel about that? I think break at this point, Baker needs to shut up <laughs> and shave Baker off. And to, ba- it's over. But ba- Baker Mayfield made the consummate sin of putting out a brand before you had results. Yeah. And so when you are sub five hundred and you got commercials. On it's a joke. If I see another Baker Mayfield <laughs> commercial, and it's like, what if you 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 look ridiculous? It's almost the same way, you know. Paul George was running these commercials mm-hmm. uh, where he's hitting the clutch shot, and it's like you haven't made a clutch shot in your career, dude. Like it's it was the Gatorade commercials were so funny to watch. He's like smooth, and it's like you just literally missed the game <laughs> winner. In like a, it was in, a, in a, like a, a elimination game too. Like not only did you yeah. not like, I thought it was horrible marketing. The timing of it was why would you release that commercial while well, the guy? Well, is maybe dying? Gatorade was trying to give him practice at hitting <laughs> right. That. Hey, <laughs> something, something. But no, it's man, it's it's 
that thing in Cleveland is a is a train wreck, and they better bring somebody proven in there to get it done. Yeah. And uh, this weekend, we got the start of the NFL playoffs, the wild card matchups. On Saturday, it's the Houston Texans and J.J. Watt coming back to take oh on God. the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Houston will be hosting. Right now, they are a three-point favorite. Every, every now and then, man, not every now and then, it's like the NFL does this thing where it forces guys down your throat, and it's like it, they do it whether the guys are healthy and whether or not they're good. And J.J. Watt is like Brian Urlacher 2.3. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, dude, the guy is banged up. He's toward the tail end. Like, I think everybody can look at J.J. Watt and go, you're probably, you probably got fewer games in, in yeah. you know, in front of you than, like, you're, you're probably done, homeboy. Yeah, like, I think over the course of his NFL career, J.J. Watt's had an injury to almost every single <laughs> part, part of his of body. His body. Right. Like, I think it's easier to pick out a part on but his body this, that hasn't been injured. And but I, if I forced you to make this call, if I said hype, if I said hyper substance on J.J. Watt right now, just as of right now, J.J. Watt, hyper substance. I'd say hype because he doesn't play enough games consecutively to where he can actually put something together. I, I'm going to say hype, and the only reason I'm saying this is because the coaching staff has come out and said that if he can play, we're playing him, and we're playing him often. He hasn't said anything about his health. No. So God only knows if he's actually 100% or if he's like 75% or and they're, they're throwing him out there. Or if they're just telling he, but even, he's telling but even then, when has Houston been a top 10 defense? When has Houston, when has J.J. Watt led the league in sacks? When is so, I, it's been uh, a JJ, while. J.J. Watt is just one of these. He is a product of the NFL machine. The, the guys in New York. They decide, they, they, they take a look at the league, and they say, here's the guys that we are going to, here are the faces and positions that we are going to market. Mm-hmm. We want these guys to be who Juju Smith-Schuster. No, absolutely <laughs> a horrible year, first year without A.B. and Lev. But the NFL, look, Juju, is he's great on camera, nice kid, never in trouble. Let's promote him. Yep. Russell Wilson. You look at the guys this league, look at who the league decides they want to focus on and push out there. And they'll do it whether or not the guys have stats or not. But I think it's kind of like you can't really judge the season that Juju Smith-Schuster had this year because look at the quarterbacks he had throwing him the ball. I, I feel like he's just kind of a product of what was around uh, Larry, him, maybe. Larry, Fitz, Larry Fitzgerald had all kinds of crap throwing him the ball, and the guy yeah. still delivered. I know because he's burned me in <laughs> fantasy. Because I thought, I'm not taking Larry Fitzgerald this year, and the guy just won't die. He's like a robot. Well, and even in the Detroit sense, Kenny Galladay had backups thrown to him for, what, eight weeks yes. out of the season? Okay, yeah. He still yeah, put yeah. up, you know, the yes. most touchdown because receptions it's his job. in the NFL. What is his job? To catch, catch the, the football. <laughs> but more importantly, the first part of his job, get open. Get open yeah. Run this route and get separation, period. That, yeah. that is your – what is the big argument about Amari Cooper this year? Dude, you can't uh, – did you forget how to get away from D-backs? <laughs> like, did you all of a sudden just – you know your job is to actually get separation. Mm-hmm. Like, at one point with Dak – and I thought Dak Prescott did an amazing job this year of – Dak did not throw any – the thing I love about him is that understanding of Dak does not throw anybody under the bus. But there were times when they'd be like, well, you know, I'm like, dude, there's no, he has no place to go. There's no separation. Yep. Now, when they do separate, he he wasn't great. But 
No, so look, bottom line is I'm taking uh, – I'm going to take Houston, man. I'm going to take Houston, but only because I like the offense, not because J.J. Watt's back. Like, okay. And the Bills don't know any better. Steven? Um, you know what? For this game, I'm actually interested to see what Buffalo can do. I might take the Bills on this one. I, I'm going with Buffalo. Their defense has been playing good. I like Josh Allen. I'm surprised he was not the number one overall pick back in that draft. Uh, I don't trust the Bills. No playoff experience. I don't think they're gonna. I think they're gonna find out why the playoffs are what they are. Okay. Uh, but they, I, I do believe they won four out of their last five to make it into the playoffs. So they yeah. are on a little bit of a streak right now. So it'll be interesting to see if uh, they can pull this one off. Yeah, their only recent loss coming against the New England Patriots, who New England plays in the first round this year against the Tennessee Titans. And hell has frozen over. And. Uh, is, is this the end of the great Tom Brady, yeah, Bill done. Belichick uh, run to the Super done. Bowl? I'm, I'm putting a stake in them. This is a wrap. Okay. They are going it, to get, they are going, remember what I said earlier mm-hmm. this week, win or lose, they lose. Yeah. This is going to be, by far, the, the roughest game of the weekend. There is not going to be a more physical game played this weekend than that one. Mike Vrabel has a very simple message to his team. Win or lose, win the fight. Like, beat because here's the thing: if you beat on the Patriots and you out physical the Patriots and you lean on them and lean on them and lean on them with those horses, yep. they will break. And you're gonna get a steady dose of Derrick Henry and smiling Jack Conklin and and uh, and Lawan in that offensive line. And I just don't think it's going to matter when mm-hmm. Brady's not on the field. The time of possession difference in this game is going to tell the story. Time of possession and turnovers. And, and Tennessee's been great oh, towards yeah. the end of the I, year of keeping the ball and limiting the opposition's drives. And it is the most maddening thing on the planet. But I, I could see games where Brady is going to sit there while Tennessee has these crazy seven-minute run-heavy run heavy, uh, drives. Mm-hmm. And, and Belichick's just like right now trying to figure out how do you get – because you – you're, you either have to stack the box, and then at that point, Tannehill can be like, oh, yeah, we're good. Five, four, five. I mean, it's so this mm-hmm. is by far, if you look at if you look at every single matchup, I think this is the one that, that Belichick did not want. So, New England or Tennessee? Oh, Tennessee. Okay. Steven? I'm going to go Tennessee as well for the reason that Clarence mentioned before, is that they're going to win the fight. They're going to be very physical I think not just defensively but offensively as well the way they run the football they want to get north and south very fast with Derrick Henry like you mentioned run between the tackles I think it's just going to be one of those games where they're just going to keep punching you in the mouth until you just finally give in and the Patriots have no are you worried about the Patriots aren't the Chiefs no so without a B I mean and again Edelman which uh, Julian Edelman all of a sudden like he's disappeared he had his 50th birthday uh, (laughs) I'm serious like when it, didn't Julian Edelman age like 10 years or something I mean, overnight? He it, did. It must be the beard. He did, but the beard game is still strong. It's still so it's still, strong. It's still, it's still strong. so strong. But and it's he, still got the full color. It's oh, not it's the amazing. Ryan, it's not like, the it's amazing with the, when he has the three-piece suit with the button-down and the vest. He looks so good. Like I, I can admit it, man. I can admit it. But the Patriots need – if you got to have 12, 13, 14 play drives just to get your seven – Mm-hmm. The Tennessee is such a bad matchup for you, yeah. Because again, man, it, 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 this game is gonna this could be a very low scoring third and fourth quarter game, and the problem is by the third and fourth quarter, the that that line is just worn. 
mm-hmm. and the Patriots can't run the ball, and they got no weapons. I don't know how the hell they're going to win this game. I'm going with Tennessee, too, for all the reasons you guys have already said. So now, on Sunday, we got two more matchups. They are the New Orleans Saints hosting the Minnesota Vikings. Hopefully, we don't have a miracle again for Minnesota, because <laughs> I, I feel bad. I still feel so bad for the Saints fans on that game. And then the second game of the day will be the Philadelphia Eagles and the Seattle Seahawks. But I got to say, this Philadelphia Eagles team right now, it has the feeling of the team that ran to the Super Bowl when they were heavy underdogs. This is another heavy underdog team playing against a a quarterback in Russell Wilson and and a coach in Pete Carroll that have had success in the playoffs, have the history in the playoffs. And this will be Carson Wentz's first real playoff experience as a quarterback. Because the last two times it was Nick Foles. Because the Eagles are division winners. They get the game at home. I I like the Eagles because I like I like the ride that they're on. Um, I think that having to go across the country is tough for Seattle. They've got Russell Wilson, so I don't put anything past them. And they're physical up front. And they got Marshawn Lynch and all that. But... I think right now the Eagles are riding this wave of just it's something there. I don't mm-hmm. I don't even know what to call it. And then you because you win in division at eight and eight, you somehow with the stupid nine rules and seven. or what at nine and seven, you get the game at home. And you know, if you're the Eagles, you're like you're thinking to yourself, man, we're better. We play in a better division. Like Seattle should win this game and mm-hmm. yet with that crowd and that momentum, I think right now this is the this is this should be the game Carson Wentz puts the team on his back and they find a way to get it done. I'm gonna say Philly late field goal. Okay. No no double doink. Like uh the Chicago no. Bears got those few years. No, I think the Eagles find a way. And and again, they know they can go on the road and win. They did it last year, so I'm gonna go Eagles, man. Okay. And uh before we have to head off, uh, we got to definitely talk a little bit about that Michigan game against Alabama. First play for Alabama. What was that, 85 yards? Uh, Jerry Judy goes for that uh, touchdown? Yeah, and I mean... I said 40. I thought, I thought Nick took the... Hey, look, I thought Nick hit the brakes on him, man. I thought Nick's like, I don't need to embarrass him. Like, but that was just... It was never a game to me. I mean, it, and everybody's like, well, Michigan... You know, you look at what they did. It, look at the score at halftime. It's like, yeah, but what? We played two halves for a reason. I mean, if that was the sense, Ohio State would have been, been in that, the national, national championship. championship. <laughs> you know, everybody's like, and but that just shows me where Michigan is, man. Like they're just so happy they played with Alabama for a half. But in the second half, you got dominated. Yep. Because that's what see, and this is the other part of this is, and this is so, this is the Tennessee New England. Like you, mm-hmm. you for a half, you're okay. But eventually what happened? Alabama's Alabama's front, offensive and defensive front, just finally just because they're going to be playing on Sunday, Michigan's guys just could not do anything. They couldn't run the ball and they couldn't protect. Yep. And so guess who won? What did I say? My If I have more guys that are going to play on Sunday than you do, eventually I'm going to win. And it has played out so far in – every bowl game with the exception of the old, the Ohio State Clemson game where they were body. Yeah. And just so people know, since 2010, oh, Michigan God. has had 37 players drafted in the NFL draft. That's amazing. I haven't even counted up Alabama's. Mm-hmm. Ohio State in that time period has had 63. Wow. 
So what you're saying is, and this is all in the Harbaugh years? Uh, no, this is from Whole 2010. 2010. So, 20, in, so decade. We're doing it by the yeah. decade. How'd the decade go? So that's interesting. That's an interesting. That's mm-hmm. a big gap. Yep. And Michigan just lost their top recruiter mm. to Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. So in two years, they have lost their top recruiter in back-to-back years. So for Michigan fans, I pray for you. I hope one day you can get no, back to the stature of the Ohio they're State University. Mich- I love man, Michigan fans. You, no, you can't tell Michigan fans anything because they still believe Bo's coaching. They think Bo's ghost is sitting on the sideline. So I think Bo's ghost should be talking them with Jim Harbaugh. No, Jim Harbaugh, you know, talk about, you kidding me? He ain't got nothing to say to Bo's ghost. <laughs> if Bo's ghost came to try and help Jim Harbaugh, he'd probably be like, yo, like, I got put this. On a I got of, this. Yeah. Put on a pair of khakis, yeah. and then we will talk. <laughs> I got this, old man. I mean, I've been a Michigan fan for pretty much since the day I, I was born. and I'm so sorry. Uh. <laughs> well, I'm not quite there yet, but, I mean, it's... It's gotten really hard, and I think this year more specifically, too, it's gotten really hard to go on, like, Twitter specifically and kind of see some of the things that these fans are saying about the program because it almost feels like, as a fan, you can't be negative in any way at all about the program or you're just not a real fan or you don't have good perspective or, you know, this or that, and it's like, but... Literally any other team in any other level of any sport ever can be critical of their team, and that's just part of being no, a fan. No, because the brand is associated with the degree. You're a, if you're because because I'm gonna tell you why. These two words, Michigan man. You're a Michigan man. You're not negative about the team. I mean, my dad graduated from Michigan. He's negative about the team all the time. Then he's not a Michigan man. Yeah. You tell your dad that, according to like like the the Michigan Bible. No, and that's what I'm saying is like that's how ridiculous it is. Is that you are literally not allowed to say anything bad about this team ever. And we will wrap up on that note once again, guys. Thank you for watching the wrap with Maz and friends with Ethan, Clarence, Stephen. Maz will be back in on Monday, once again live from the Jim Reels Friendly Chrysler Jeep Studios. This was The Wrap with Maz and Friends.